Hello, my name is Emma Baird and welcome to my podcast. So my last episode I spoke about the terminology of the word draining and how I've encountered negative interactions around that word, specifically in the spiritual realm of careers, of people's passions and all sorts. So I spoke about, uh, I very briefly as a recap, I spoke about how if you are a spiritual practitioner, whether you do Reiki, Tarot, Astrology, Inner Child Readings, um, you're a life coach, or you do womb healing, or you do body healing, like whatever spiritual hippy-dippy shit someone is doing, they need to be careful of how they use the word draining towards clients when they're creating safe and brave spaces for clients to being able to share those experiences when they are seeking validation and love and contentment as if you are going to unprofessionally bring someone else's business into a conversation that is about them but they don't know the people that you're with or they do or you're talking to other spiritualists that can be very disheartening and it can actually build a negative reputation for you as a practitioner. So I looked into that a bit more of how why it can be a bit disheartening, why it can almost ruin trust especially if you are building as a spiritual practitioner you're building up your reputation of trust, that's what spirituality is, it's creating brave and safe spaces and inviting people in to share their vulnerabilities and guiding them through life, giving them advice and applying your services wherever that may look like for you to help them. So if you are bringing their personal experiences into other circles and talking badly on that, saying how they sure their experiences are very negative towards you because you're holding all their emotion that's more due with you than them I've done my recce I'm in I'm in the middle of doing my recce level two so professionally you should never be holding on to people's energies you should never be bringing that home with you or bringing that to other circles to other environments to other people as a child current youth work practitioner, I know not to bring my issues at home. If something's bothering me, I just phone my manager and I talk to her or him. I talk to my co-workers, get advice, and then I let it go because I'm not going to go home to my fiancé and dump it all on him or be in really bad mood and take it all on him because I know better of where I am at emotionally, of my, what's that called? Ah, emotional development, is it? We're going to stick to that. So what I never got to talk about was, because that episode was very much more about practitioners, but while I sat with myself and created visuals from my Instagram, it allowed me to go deeper into the actual terminology as I have been a youth working childcare practitioner since I was 16. I am now 24 so I have a lot of experiences and a lot of interactions 
with many, many professionals over the spectrum of childcare, whether it's that's in nurseries, daycares, after schools, primary schools, secondary schools, youth centres, foundry, statutory. I have a lot of experience, uh, which I'm very grateful for, especially as I started out so young and now I'm a 24-year-old woman who manages two youth centres and is studying a degree in it. Very beautiful, very passionate, very much an educational thing, which I love. So when I sat down with the word draining, I reflected a lot on, okay, what if I was to call, if I was, if me as practitioner, that was spiritual practitioner, because we're going to link in here now, actually let me reframe this. So where I was coming from with this was, if a spiritual practitioner was to apply the Reiki services or any holistic service to a child and they were running about telling other people that child drained them, how would you as a mother feel? How would you as a parent or a guardian feel if you heard that? So why should they say that terminology towards a human being. If you wouldn't say it to a child, why would you say it to an adult? If you wouldn't say it about a child, why would you say it about an adult, vice versa? But then I went into deeper into my practice because I'm dismantling my platform into being more of a holistic child care youth work practitioner. So I'm hitting at it of all different angles now. So that's what led me being like, you know what? Draining is used in such in so many different ways. So the first example was obviously spiritual practitioners using the word draining. I have my own thoughts on it in my last podcast. You can listen to that or go on my Instagram astrology with Emma. I have a segment on it. And if you go onto my highlights of life experiences, you'll see it all there. So when I went into so my second actually no, my second category of this is being a youth worker, being a childcare practitioner, a nursery assistant. There's so many different roles within youth work and childcare that I have came across other co-workers and managers that refer that would refer to a child as draining. Like as soon as you see a ch- challenging child, you know fine rightly what you're in for. You'll roll your eyes and go, oh, it's that kid again. He's actually going to drain me. He's going to slobber to me. This, this, that and that. I never say it out loud, but I do. I do have this where if I am dealing with a very challenging young person to where they're slobbering to me, effing and blinding all over the sun, call me all the names under the sun, I am going to dread seeing them the next day. But what's important is I do not project that onto the child or young person. I have to look into myself and go, okay, I feel this way because... And because I feel this way, these are the emotions I am feeling. What can I do to release these emotions so that when I am seeing this young person, I am not acting a certain way. I am not using certain terminologies. I am not projecting my adult feelings to a young person and making them feel a certain way. Because yes, Maybe I shouldn't have said adult feelings because I am an adult, but it doesn't mean I have to 
put emotions in the category of what is allowed what's allowed of a child to feel what's allowed to an adult to feel that's not what I'm saying at all what I'm saying is me as an adult I have an understanding and awareness of my emotions and how do you express my emotions appropriately how can I do that how can I then do that in a safe place without hoarding it all into my body and projecting it about this young person whether I'm talking to other co-workers or to that young person themselves and I know I have dealt with people in the youth industry where they would refer to a child as draining and we always forget that we are the adults they are the kids they are allowed to be challenging they are allowed to express every emotion they have in a negative way because they are learning they are expressing their emotions and they are learning and it's up to us as adults to help navigate their emotions safely to help show them how to express their emotions effectively and safely as possible and it isn't for for us as teachers as childcare providers to roll their eyes and go, oh God, child drain me. That conversation is going to drain me. That's not really professional. And I know fine rightly, if I was a parent and I overheard my child's teacher turn around and say, that kid really drained me today, that child really drained me today, I would be furious. I would be very disheartened to know that my child he is meant to be looked after, respected, cared for. That his or hers teachers are sitting there saying those things about him. There's one perspective. Another respect, a perspective is, what if that child overheard you? What if that child, whether he or she be in primary school or secondary school, overheard... For an example, I'm going to say a primary school child, say about eight, year, eight years old. Imagine that eight year old overhearing you calling this child draining, this child challenging, this child just being so difficult. That child would be completely disheartened. That child would feel that you don't feel safe anymore. You're not the person to talk to anymore. They're then alone in their emotions as they cannot express themselves as freely to you anymore. Or if they're very challenging, they will show you exactly how they feel. But that will have consequences on the child rather than on you. So because of your words, it affects this child. Therefore, this child will be defensive or will withdraw themselves from you specifically because you've said negative things about them. You've then impacted this child's emotional development and their physical development because emotions can trigger physical ailments of ourselves, whether it becomes sore stomachs of anxiety, bowel problems, headaches, um, sore limbs, like anything like that at all. That all has an impact on a child. And I know that a parent would be absolutely horrified if a teacher if they overheard a teacher saying that as well so those were examples I wanted to give and share because they are very valid examples and very important examples that we as human beings always forget and I think because of the career I've ventured into 
and my practice it's enabled me to look and to really reflect not only into myself as an adult but into children as well and that low key made me think about inner child healing of you know what if I was saying this about myself why if I was about to say this to another child why why not then take both perspectives and combine it together in would you say it to a child no why would you say it to an adult that's the kind of point of view that I'm really wanted to give today oops I was looking on my Instagram there because for a bit of points for um what to talk about so it would be clear reminders but I didn't realize how the volume on and I played TikTok of me and my cats <laughs> so apologies so now the third example or perception I want to give is when you are with your friends, your family, and they're very, very overwhelmed. But sometimes overwhelmed can be identified as drain, draining or drained or drain itself. I want to elaborate that. The definition of drained is a dispelling of water, a draining of liquids. You're not a liquid, you're a human being that has purpose that has a life to be lived so why are you describing yourself as a liquid that can be drained because you are not a sink you're not a piece of sink a metal sink equipment so why would you describe yourself as that and put yourself into a category of that because what I've came across a lot is people saying that training drained me this job's draining me I don't want to go because I'm going to see that person and I'm going to be this way and that way and I'm just not going to be okay with it and no one really stops to think actually that's not a mindset that's healthy to have that's not a sentence I should ever be saying out loud so let's look into that a little bit deeper what's the emotions attached to this word I'm feeling this way because and these are the emotions that I'm feeling that's literally two journal prompts right there that's all you need and you'll be able to go in deeper take yourself away from the concept of draining even catch yourself in how often do you say that word when you are trying to explain how yucky and heavy you feel how often do you use that word and how often do you hear other people use the word of draining uh, and just explore that literally just explore that so as I was on my little adventure of really really looking deeply into draining very passionate about it as you can see but see once I got it all out there I just move on to a different topic so right now I've moved on to inner child healing because being able to look at that word using that word as a tool of dismantling what it means what it looks like to other people how it's projected into society and how society has changed the whole meaning of drainage to how someone feels allowed me to be in the mindset of okay if you wouldn't say it to a child why would you say it to an adult and being and then thinking to myself why we have whenever we have interactions with people we always forget 
we all were all children we all grew up into adults and we all have certain experiences certain family backgrounds certain different ways we were raised that enables us to be the person that we are today and when we are feeling negative towards other people we forget that we are all once children so if you wouldn't say them say it to them as a child why would you say it to them now and by this I mean sometimes we are very quick to throw insults and hostilities rather than having actual conversations about how we feel. You are okay to dislike someone. You are free to explain rationally as an adult on why you don't like them and that you are willing to take a step back. But it's just understanding where you both stand in your civil interactions with each other. What's what I would feel is not okay is using certain languages, using hostile remarks towards someone. One of the, like I have a life coach, so she helped, she set a task where it was, what's my values as youth worker? What's my values in my personal life? And see what is combining the most. While I did that activity, I knew right away that one of my biggest values is not letting people talk down to me, as in the way I speak and the way I communicate with people, I expect that back as a value. If I am angry at you, I will not ever shout at you, I'll not swear at you, I will sit down and have a conversation, a rational one where I will lay out my emotions and my feelings and why I felt a certain way. I will be nervous doing it because confrontation or 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 conflicts that might turn into arguments make me very nervous as a person. I don't like ever offending someone and I am always quick to retreat if I feel like someone's gonna blame me or like like I'm talking now and I'm fiddling about with my necklaces because it just makes me so uncomfortable. Um I just would never ever want to offend someone so the fact that I'm brave enough to be able to come forward and say this is how I feel what you did to me I don't accept that I don't feel like it's okay if I am speaking to you in that way and your response back is very hostile very aggressive very verbally abusive or abusing I will take that to offence immediately because that's not what I value. If I am not screaming at you, shouting at you and swearing at you, you should not be doing that to me. And that's what I hold very dear to my values. So somehow on this journey, <laughs> I end up looking into inner child healing, what it means, what it looks like, what actually goes on. Because at first I thought it was like a spectrum, like people take it as they will. But really, it just means it's to address needs and how inner child healing is needs and wants when it's when they are unmet in childhood. At first, I thought it was all about childhood, but then I realised actually no, because what happens in childhood affects teenagehood and affects adulthood. So no matter what, there is constant inner child healing that needs to be viewed in each stage of life, each category of life. So I created a little booklet. I just had all this information, all these theories and all these ideas because I sat down and I just sat down and I just went, right, what is inner child to me? And inner child healing to me, what does it look like? 
how like how do I actually sit down and be able to explain to myself and to other people what healing what inner child healing is so I sat down and I journaled so that little bit that I gave you is what I created in my mind of inner child healing is me needs and wants when after is unmet in childhood teenagehood and adulthood and how it's all about being honest with yourself into acknowledging all the emotions that you feel and why because a lot of people aren't ready to enter that stage of inner child healing to where they retreat they don't want to talk about what made them angry what made them really sad embarrassed humiliated because these are yucky emotions these are emotions that make you feel so vulnerable you just can't speak about it so you cannot go through this phase of inner child healing unless you are open honest and aware of yourself and aware of what happened and aware of your perceptions in order to be immersed into it so I allowed myself to do that and because I come from a childcare background I decided to look into because I do a lot of safeguard training child protection training in all my courses that I've ever done and categories of abuse would come up so I use them as journal prompts so I literally looked at physical emotional neglect sexual and I think there's something else I can't remember off the top of my head so I wrote that down and then I wrote down ages because what I didn't know was that there are abuse categories for adolescents which is teenagers and adults so there's organizational abuse there is domestic violence financial financial abuse and all that, all that third quarter and that affects adult adulthood and teenagehood so I took all these categories and I literally wrote I literally put them into ages so I started with birth to 10 then 11 to 16 then 17 to 24 because I am now 24 and I just let myself journal of what came up the most in my inner child healing right now and it actually made a lot more sense actually helped me be able to envision it at certain ages and how it carried free into me as a teenager me as an adult and and what has shaped me to be who I am today based on a negative experience that made me very emotional that I held on because it was something that was never addressed or met or I can't think of anything else but yes that wasn't addressed or met as a child and it's up to me now uh, where I am today to be able to heal that part of me to be able to address that and have conversations and listen to perspectives but what's important is through the conversations I had with people in my university with other spiritual practitioners and co-workers what's important is yes we can feel a way at certain family conflicts at our siblings at our family at our friends who we grew up with but it is but at one point you do get to a stage where you need to accept yes you have your emotions your experiences your perceptions but you also need to understand that wherever your conflict 
conflict of emotional needs are, whether it's aimed at your mum, your dad, your siblings, your childhood friends, they will have a completely different perspective on you. So whatever it is that you went free, that you're holding on to, and you and you can't let go because you cannot have encouraging conversations with certain people because they have different perspectives and a different view. It's because the sad reality is they've never experienced what you've experienced and they just haven't acknowledged that because they never had to because they viewed a certain moment completely differently than you. An example would be, I was bullied in school, like severely bullied, and I stopped being friends with this girl when I left school. And literally three, four years later, I got a random Facebook message. It was so bizarre of where she randomly said that she missed me, she wanted to reconnect. And I was just very much like, this is very strange considering we haven't spoken in years. We are now adults. We haven't spoken since we were children. And she was very accepting of that. She understood. And then I just went, you know what? I went through a lot during that stage in my life. And I would like to sit and have a conversation about it. She said, yes, that's okay. So I sat and I just said, this happened, this happened, this happened. This is how I felt. What do you acknowledge about that experience or what was your experience? As I completely understand that your perception and your experience will be completely different from mine, but this did happen. These were the people that were involved. These, this is word for word exactly what you said to me and the actions that you took against what I felt was against me. What's up with that? This girl <laughs> replied saying, Hi. she has no recollection of any verbal abusement or ever, any physical abusement she has no memory but she respects that it impacted me a lot but it hasn't had any impact on her at all because she has this memory loss of not acknowledging anything whereas now me as an adult I understand that she did all that because it was just fun and games to her and she never held on to any situations because it was just nothing to her and that was the perception she had and I will say right now I don't accept that I think that's ridiculous how you could harm someone out of fun but that's my perception but I completely understand how she has that perception because she just wanted to be mean for the hell of it and she took no guilt, no resentment, no anything because it was what it was. And she just had no memory of doing any of that. And that was a hard, hard thing. I was hard, hard thing for me to come to terms with as this impacted me for so long and affected my confidence, my self-esteem, how I interact with females how I go on to build relationship with females and trust females in friendships when she literally had apparent no apparent recollection she couldn't give a fuck and that was it that was it and there are going to be times because she felt a certain way as a child and as a teenager 
your parent will have a completely different perception because they never had the same experience and they never they will never have the same impact as she felt they will never feel what you feel they will never experience what you experience and that can be very saddening it can be very sad to come to terms with that but it's what healing looks like well to me it does yeah yeah that's how I would say how it looks like no matter how difficult it may be or how hard of a pill it is to swallow that's how it looks like and I created this booklet I'm actually looking for it now for all the different stages explaining big t and small t theory abuse abuse categories whether it's specifically like yeah your mum and dad beat you or you're in a domestic violence relationship or your your mum because I was talking about this with someone in my work about how soon sometimes in some families as soon as you are willing as soon as you get your national insurance number you're made to work and provide rent when you are 16 as soon as you get your national insurance number, some parents will make you go out and do that. And that can be a sign of financial abuse for children. So those are like the big, big, big categories of abuse. But abuse can also be like being bullied. That's emotional abusive. Uh, like uh, not abusive, abuse because of how much it impacted you. And there's no like... Because the way I see it is people talk about the major abuse, the major things, but no one really talks about the small things that can really impact you. That can also be abuse because it's abuse in your mentality, your emotional needs, your physical needs, like all the spectrums of it. So taken into consideration of everything I have shared and explained about inner child to where I'm at right now, I've created a free workbook for adults and the purpose of that is basically hoping that what I got from it will be what others get from it. So if you struggle with being able to know what inner child healing is and being able to acknowledge that, I just created this workbook to kind of help identify that within you and there is a page where I've split all the categories and I wrote examples of it of what it may look like in your life as well so yes that's what I'm doing inner child healing wise and I'm very intrigued by what to do next because I have theories that I'm very I'm really 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 wanting to dive into where I spoke briefly with a university friend on if you have siblings, even like yourself, your only child, you are born at a stage of development in your parents' life and you grow with that parent, whether you acknowledge or not. And, I th- and as children, as children with parents and guardians, we always view our parents as people that know the most that have the most experience and be able to to be able to help us navigate our own life at every single stage of it 
which is a very, very daunting thing for an adult, especially as now that I'm 24, I'm recognizing this was the age my mum became a parent and watching my friends become parents and acquaintances become parents. There is a lot of status that is pushed on to a mum or a dad or a guardian to really support their child and that is very difficult like it really is and that's not really acknowledged but as a child I never would have thought that I would have been frustrated and I and I know other people would be frustrated at their parents for not being able to help them in certain ways but now I do as an adult so I in future podcast episodes I will explore the topic of being born at a stage of development of the parent as well as having siblings how each sibling is born at the development of at different stages of the of development of a parent and how each child will have completely different perspectives and experiences and emotions towards how they were raised I am the eldest sibling of three in total, including myself, and I acknowledge that I have a completely different upbringing than my siblings, as and vice versa them and me. And we will be, we all, we will have very similar experiences, but kind of different at the same time. It's all due to perspectives and perception perceptions as well. And I would like to go into deeper of. How then does that look like into friendships as certain people that flow in and out of our lives, our closest friends, how, how and why people stay with us at stages of our, our own development and they and we seem to grow together as a collective as well as looking at friendships that were very short term for many, many different reasons, why friendships felt like quick why acquaintances became strangers, that type of thing. And I've got a lot of experience in that, so it's something psychology I would be very interested in looking into and sharing. As well as the last thing would be, yes, we were born at the stage of development of a parent, but we never really reflect that within ourselves. Something I've been reflecting on is, if I was to have a child right now, what stage of development would they get me at and where I'm at right now is what they're going to have access to and if I want to immerse a child into that and that's something people don't really think about because people usually think about children as we cute things it'll be fun to raise a child they're cute it'll be exciting to expand a family but no one actually thinks about actually if I have a child right now this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through, this is my, this is where I'm at right now and this is where I'm wanting to go. How would my child grow into that? What would they feel that I'm projecting onto them? All sorts. It's like a spectrum of awareness but also understanding the difference between self-awareness and just completely scurring yourself out of being a parent. <laughs> so me, and, me and Joseph were talking about this, me and my fiance. Um, we were talking about the differences. Like, yes, you can be self-aware in that 
if you're about to say something, you can stop yourself before you say something to your kid that might project like anxiety or frustration or something like that to stop them from adapting the qualities you don't like about yourself based on language and wording that you use because sometimes we aren't 100% aware of the language that we use and that is very much something we should hold ourselves accountable for and again to be more aware of. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's a lot but it's fun, it's cool, it's a learning experience and I'll catch you next time.